Hi, this is Doug Beecham. Thank you for joining me today. I want to continue talking to you about uh, some thoughts I have about preaching. I, um, in the previous uh, several podcasts, talked about the content of preaching, talked some about uh, uh, issues related to how we live in our culture and, and the preaching of the gospel in terms of the demand of our culture. Uh, I gave you a, a really powerful illustration um, out of uh, the life of uh, Helmut James. Uh, I think it was in the previous podcast. If you didn't hear that, I hope you'll go back and listen to that. Uh, I want to continue talking to you uh, about this issue. How do we know that we're called? Uh, I think in the previous podcast, I made reference to the very first sermon I ever preached. Uh, a Palm Sunday sermon in 1968. Uh, what a nerve-wracking experience that was. And that's not the last time it's been nerve-wracking. It still can be nerve-wracking. Uh, in reflecting on that, that period of, of my life when I was uh, uh, responding to, uh, to the call to go into the ministry, there are times I, I find myself thinking about what is the meaning of the call? Uh, the, first, the first meaning has to do with the Holy Spirit calling us to faith in Christ. Uh, that doesn't happen on our own initiative. In fact, in my, in my natural state, I actually want to remain in my sin, at least until it gets so bad that I can't stand it. Uh, I, I find myself uh, easily deceiving myself and with statements like, well, this is the way God made me. Uh, whatever my proclivities might be, whatever my attitudes might be, I self-justify myself. Uh, people do it all the time. It's a form of, uh, of, of an ancient heresy uh, called Pelagianism, that we are essentially uh, totally created good. There is no fall. Uh, Adam's sin has not been passed down to us in the, in the historic understanding of, of the doctrine of original sin. And so what I am is, is what I am. This is, this is how God made me. If God made me this way, it can't be bad, and God can't be bad. Well, that's a great excuse to live the way I want to live. The gospel call comes and brings an awareness that I am lost, that I am lost in my sin, that the path that I'm going on is a path of destruction. In fact, it brings an awareness that the way I am with the proclivities with which I'd, 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 I'd self-justify that, uh, that I have fallen short of the glory of God. This is not how God made me. This is not what my destiny is. This is not who I am in Jesus Christ. And, and the Holy Spirit comes and knocks on our door. Sometimes that, that happens uh, with the hearing of Scripture. In fact, it's really, to some extent, the hearing of Scripture that gives us the antidote for, for the correct diagnosis in our lives. Um, but other times the Holy Spirit is working in ways that we, we don't recognize uh, how He's working. It's actually a work of love to bring us to a place of desperation, to realize that the path I'm on is going to kill me. And um, we, we sometimes come to that path, to that, uh, to that turning point. But if we, if we turn on our, on our own initiative and without hearing of the gospel, we simply turn to another path 
that that while we might escape uh, a certain form of corruption that would destroy destroy us in a certain way, we simply go in another path of destruction. It might be pride. It might be self-righteousness. It might be moralism. But it's still not salvation. When the Holy Spirit comes and opens the door of the truth of the gospel and brings this reality, this is my sin. This is, this is where I've fallen short of the glory of God, not only in actual deeds, but in the reality of my fallen human condition. The Holy Spirit then leads us to that place of recognizing I've got to respond to the path of life. And that path comes through the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Forgiveness of my sins. What the Bible talks about being born again. Regeneration. That God has done something if I confess my sins to him. He is faithful and just to forgive me of my sins and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. That's the gospel call. That call is to all humanity. And that's part of the gospel that we preach. There's another side, though, of the call of God that has to do of something in the sense that I talked about with you uh, in some earlier podcasts. And that's discerning the difference between uh, our occupation and our vocation. Uh, there, there, comes t- there comes a time in our lives for a lot of us that we heard God say, I want you to be a missionary. I, I want you to be a teacher. I want you to be, I want you to be a pastor. And, and we, we begin to discern that and hear that call in our lives. That's very, very personal. There's a matrix of things that, that come together to bring about that reality in our lives. Um, I remember uh, as a kid, I grew up in a pastor's home. My dad was a, was a good pastor and then later a denominational executive. So I, I grew up going to Pentecostal churches my entire life. Uh, one of the things I remember hearing was hearing preachers who would say things like, uh, you can't be called just because your father or your mother was. Or don't don't do this. Don't don't become a minister just because your father was. Or, or, or this kind of statement. If you if if you can do anything else besides preach, do it. Well, those are well-intended kinds of phrases, and I, I essentially understand what they're trying to say. On the other hand, I need to tell you those kinds of comments sort of gotten away from me. I found it difficult to navigate through hearing those kinds of comments to be able to come to a place to hear God. Uh, Part of it was because I I didn't fully understand uh, that God had a purpose for the family in which I was born. There was influence for me in that. Uh, I had to, it doesn't mean that every every little boy or little girl who grows up in a minister's home is called called to be a preacher. Uh, my own children don't re they serve the Lord in, in different occupations that are their vocations now, but they don't stand up and preach. They don't pastor local churches. What I'm trying to say to you is that we need to be careful. We don't put the wrong kinds of, uh, of, of barriers in the way of us hearing the call of God, maybe speed bumps. Maybe phrases like that need to be speed bumps to just sort of slow us down and keep us from, uh, from doing something that's out of our own self-will and self-determination. But to come to that place where we hear God calling us. You know, as a kid, I, my dad would take me to his office on occasion. 
uh, prior to becoming a teenager, we essentially lived in the parsonage uh, just feet away from, from the church that my dad pastored. And there'd be times as a little boy, I'd go over to my dad's study is what we called it then. It wasn't really called the office. At least I don't remember it that way. I'd, Daddy would say, I'm going to the study. Well, I wanted to go and be with my dad. And so I'd take my little coloring books or I'd take uh, uh, whatever, you know, whatever I was reading and I would go over and I'd lay on the floor. My dad would sit at his desk. He'd be writing letters. I can still hear the old clacking uh, this is in the 1950s. I can hear the old clacking away of the old typewriters. Uh, some of you that are young have no idea what that sounds like. But the uh, those those keyboards where you had to hit the key really somewhat forcefully for it to type. I can hear I can hear that even as I'm talking to you. I can I can see my dad opening books, opening his Bible, making notes writing letters to people, whatever he was doing at his desk at the study. That had an influence on me, just, just being in that environment. Uh, as a kid, I can, I don't really remember so much what my dad preached about, but what I do remember was his tone, was his attitude. He was graceful. Uh, dad was not a uh, sort of a, a yelling kind of preacher. He was very thoughtful. Uh, he was very. I, I remember this. I remember he was grammatically correct, and I I can remember my mother talking to me about that when I was learning how to speak proper uh, proper uh, English grammar, making the remark that that your father works carefully on his grammar, and uh, but but listening to him, and listening to his heart, that's what I would hear. That's an amazing thing for us as, as communicators of the gospel, whether it's to one person one-on-one, -on -one, whether it's to thousands of people or a small congregation of 30, 40 people, whatever it may be, there are our words and then there's our heart. The issue of our heart is something that people discern as they listen to us. We may be, we may be theologically and biblically correct in what we say, but if we say it with a spirit of anger, of, of a sense of seeking to manipulate people, people discern that. They don't even have to be a, a Christian to discern the heart. And if people know that, they that, that we love them, we don't even have to tell them we love them. They know it when we're standing there by what we say and how we say it. That, that th These are the kinds of things that that I grew up with were part of my context. As a teenager then, I grew up under the wonderful ministry of the late Reverend John Swales, who in the 1950s, 60s, 70s, into the 80s was, was really one of the premier Bible teachers in the Pentecostal Holiness Church. And as a teenage boy, again, going to hear this master preacher of the Word of God. And there would be times that Reverend Swales would just quote extensive passages of scripture and it it even as a teenager i'd sit there and listen to that and something would rise up in my ears in my in my spirit when he was quoting entire portions of scripture that there was an authority to that i didn't understand it then i do now 
I have a better understanding now. There was an authority in all of that that uh, uh, that was different than his words. And there was something different about him when he would be quoting Scripture. Not that he became some kind of a superman or was screaming or yelling. He was not. He was very calm for the most part. But there, I, today we call that an anointing. We, we, there was just something the Holy Spirit was doing when Scripture was being quoted and application was being made in the Spirit that lifted, lifted my teenage heart. Uh, these are important things. They're part of understanding the matrix of, of God's call in our lives, of, of how do we discern this. I remember one other time, other times when my dad would take me on pastoral visits with him. Again, this is uh, pre-teenage years. And in those days, there'd be quite a number of visits to homes. And uh, ministers were wise. They would not go to a home if, if it was just the, uh, the wife that was there, at least for a man who's a minister. But always if, if family was present. And there'd be times that he would take me. Sometimes Mama would go. And, uh, but there were times I enjoyed going with my dad. It was my time with him. We'd get in the old car, ride to this house. I had my coloring books or whatever the case may be. I'd come in, and everybody was nice to me. And uh, They'd give me some cake and some ice cream. And I remember thinking as an 8-year-old, wow, this is really cool to be a preacher. You know, you get cake and ice cream. And then when we'd leave, sometimes the man of the house would give me a quarter or 50 cents, and, and I'd, I'd think, okay, no wonder Daddy does this. Well, actually, I, I learned later on that's not really the case. But I, I, I felt to welcome to myself. Dad said, would say to me, Douglas, you sit over there and just be quiet. And I'd, again, I'd have my little stuff to play with or keep me occupied. But I could hear my dad and this family talking. I don't remember again if they were talking about other major issues. At that time in my life, I could care less about that. But I could hear the tone. I could hear the listening. And when it came time for prayer, my dad would say to me, Douglas, come in, and we're going to stand here. We're going to pray for this couple. And he would do the praying. He never. I remember thinking, oh, God, please don't ask me to pray. You know, the panic of that. He never would do that to me. But I would stand there. I would listen to him pray. Again, I could hear his heart. And I could tell from the response of this couple that there was something of love, of care, that was going on in that. I realize now that that was the work of the Holy Spirit. I didn't know what to call it then. All I knew is that all of that was making an impression upon me that later in my life had an influence on how I minister, I hope how I minister today, but also had an influence on me being able to hear God call me into the ministry when I was a freshman at Emmanuel College. If you're listening today and you've not heard the gospel call, I hope you will not be deceived by the spirit of the age that says that God made you just the way you are and you can just continue to live in your sin. I hope you will hear the Holy Spirit speak to you, calling you really in the same sort of message that Jesus brought. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Repent 
and believe in the gospel. If you're listening to me and you're questioning whether you're being called or you've questioned the call you've responded to, I hope you'll take time to to pause. Ask God to speak to you. Have ears to hear. And don't be afraid when God says, yes, I'm calling you. Thanks for listening. God bless.